Welcome to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, the podcast for high achievers who want to stay sharp, focused, and full of energy despite their diagnosis. With your host, National Board Certified Functional Medicine Health Coach, Julie Michelson, where Julie helps you take your power back from autoimmunity. And now here's your host, Julie Michelson. Welcome back to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast. I'm your host, Julie Michelson. And today we're joined by Dr. Melinda Ring, Director of Osher Center for Integrative Health and Clinical Associate Professor in the Departments of Medicine and Medical Social Sciences at Northwestern University Feinberg School of Medicine. She has an active clinical practice while also being an educator, researcher, and author. In today's conversation, we're discussing culinary medicine and food as medicine for autoimmune empowerment. Dr. Ring, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Jill. I'm thrilled to be here with you. This is one of my absolute favorite topics. Um, I never get bored of talking about the importance of food as medicine, (laughs) but I love to find out, you know, share with listeners a little bit more about your story and how you got to be, you know, involved, very involved in integrative medicine. Um, Because I, I think most of us, when we were young, this wasn't necessarily Maybe a doctor, yes, but the integrative piece is always interesting. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting because I think there's a lot of different paths to the to what we're going to talk about. And one is integrative medicine, and then the other is culinary medicine. And do you need a drink? Sorry. <laughs> I'm happy to pause if you need it. Okay. Um yeah, anytime. Co- co- coughing off mic there. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no problem. Um So, you know, I think from an integrative perspective, when I think back, I grew up with a dad who's a pathologist, but he was probably one of the only holistic pathologists. And we used to, you know, when I would have a headache, he'd have me visualize it and tell him what color it was and all this until it went away. Um, but, But then at the same time, I was going in on the weekend and helping him do autopsies. So like a sort of unusual hobby as an eight-year-old. Um, and so I think like from just this introduction to medicine as being more than really just the physical, which is what you get during an autopsy, right? Like the sure. there's definitely an essence missing there. Um, but then seeing that there's more to health than just taking a pill when you have a headache, I think that led me down this path to looking at different ways of healing rather than, you know, take a pill, do surgery, like that kind of thing. Diagnosis, prescription. Exactly. This, then that. And and then for culinary medicine, you know, I I grew up um, in the era when it was all like quick chocolate milk and, you know, dinners and Whole, you know, Wonder Bread was so good for you. And um, and I also grew up where, you know, it was a traditional time when mom cooked meals and, you know, the, I didn't learn how to cook, frankly. You know, it was, I didn't know how. And then, yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh. and home ec wasn't really there anymore. And so um, uh, between 
the summer before medical school, I went and I begged to be a chef. They had a job posting for a sous chef at this really fancy restaurant. And I begged and begged and kept coming back and being persistent until I got the job. And then I learned, you know, how to cook, although it was for like 50 people at a time. And um, so I think I had this appreciation for the art of cooking that started at that point when you could see how to make people happy through food. Yes. I love that. I, uh, <laughs> grew up my first first and many jobs were in the restaurant business. My stepfather had restaurants. So um yeah, there is something about even even if you don't really take to the cooking piece, that just that love of feeding people and being creative. And uh I love to cook. So I love culinary medicine. Um I, I think it's we need to be having these conversations. I know. Um, and I grew up in the same, you know, the, <clears throat> I think the beginning of food not being food, really. Right. Um, and so we're hoping to shift it back to where people yeah. are eating real food. Absolutely. And yeah, and and so much happened over those eras, too, that have led to so many of the problems with autoimmune disease now, like even the changes in farming practices yes. and, um, you know, the soil not being being overworked and and these monocultures of plants losing nutrients and the way animals were raised like there's just so much that's just contributed now to this um you know explosion of autoimmune disease we're seeing i i couldn't agree more i think it, it's such a huge topic um and there are so many layers layers to it i remember when i was diagnosed in my early thirties, they were, you know, which was a little over 20 years ago. <laughs> um, they were saying, you know, oh, you're so young. And now, wow, if you can make it to your thirties without an autoimmune <laughs> diagnosis, you're right. doing something right. So it, it's just, it's insane. The explosion and same with a little off topic, but I, I used to teach um, autistic children in the night, early nineties mm -hmm. when it was rare. Yeah. You know, and so same same thing. So let's dig in. People ask me all the time, and I'm guessing they ask you, well, you know, what should I eat? Just tell me what to eat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what is your approach? Um, and I, I think I'm really interested to learn because I, I get the feeling we there are certain things we differ on, which is always fun and, and always a learning opportunity. Yeah, we can arm wrestle it out. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, well, so I, I, I think like you, so I think we'll agree on this point. I think it does need to be personalized. So I don't think, for example, every single person who has an autoimmune disease needs to avoid gluten. Um, as an example, like I, I think many people do, but maybe not everybody. And I think that, um, you know, and I think that every autoimmune condition may have its own tweak on a typical anti-inflammatory approach. So when I think broadly about what I recommend to my patients with autoimmune disease, it's an anti-inflammatory diet. The issue is that that, that gets defined so differently by people. Yes. Uh, and so then I think it's a matter of talking to somebody about where they are, what's feasible for them, you know, where are they starting, where can we move them to. I do favor plant-forward diets. Um, for some people, that that may include 
a little bit of meat, maybe more pescatarian, but, um, you know, I did my Ted talk on this and it's like, to me, it's like every plate should be half plants and uh, at least, at least, at least least (laughs) half plants. And I'm plant-based. So, you know, that's, I tell people this is what I do. So I'm, I'm, (laughs) um, preaching what I'm actually doing myself. Um, and, and I love that you said plant forward because it, it, again, like anti-inflammatory, this plant, you know, the idea of a plant-based diet to some people that could be vegan and to right. some, you know, and, and I say, I have a plant-based diet, but I do eat clean animal protein. Yeah. Um, but my plate is covered in vegetables. <laughs> you yeah. know, um, I like the yeah. I, the you know kind of if you think of the meat as a condiment and not a you know. Um, so I think anywhere in there that you fall, um, you know. Yeah, I, I agree. So we're probably not part. as far apart as you think. I'm not. No, no. You know, I personally no. don't um, eat red meat, nor does my family, but. Um, and, but my son eats poultry and that's fine. And, you know, my husband eats fish and um, that my other son and I are plant-based, but we'll eat a little bit of, you know, some eggs and dairy. Um, but I think you're right. You know, it all, when you, when people are going for that other half of the plate um, or plant meat as a condiment kind of thing, the quality of the meat uh-huh. helps determine how inflammatory it is. And so if it's a, a pasture raised, cow that from the meat comes from, then it's going to be very different from a cow that was corn, you know, shoved corn feed and, and, uh, antibiotics and all all the things. things. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. And it's the same. No guilt. I'm not here to guilt them. No, no. And then that's why I really, I was excited to have the conversation because, um, but yeah, it, and I, I love that you highlighted the quality. I, I drive on the way to the clinic. I drive past a feedlot and there is oh, no way God. you could ever get me to eat any part of an animal that from there. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's so horrible. And that's the majority of people that are eating meat. That's what they're eating. Right. Um, and so, you know, there's, it is, it's a huge difference and the studies are, really impressive. Um, yeah. And it's just so, also a planetary kind of thing. It's a humanitarian kind of thing, you know, yeah, like, yeah. I, I think there's a whole energy between how we're sure food that we, <laughs> you know, that nourishes us. And absolutely. Absolutely. So broad stress, how do you define anti-inflammatory then, or, or, Maybe not defined, but when you say an anti-inflammatory diet, what are you talking about other than loads of veggies? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of that. You know, it's omega-3s, as I'm sure you've talked to your people about. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, it's, you know, we talk, it, it, again, it depends where they are. It's because we're talking culinary medicine too. It's not just what's on your plate, but it's how you prepare what you're eating. You know, what are the methods of food that, you're eating? What is the quality of the food that you're eating? And, you know, so deep frying versus um, air frying will have a difference. Um, Eating eating nightshades in a raw form may have a different effect on the body than eating them when they've been stewed or cooked. And so I, 
I, I don't have any hard lines. I think right. we, I try to individualize it. With most people who I see for in the early phases of coming to see me, um, we'll oftentimes do an elimination diet, sometimes food sensitivity testing to help narrow in, but oftentimes an elimination diet, because as you know, you know, that's the gold standard. Mm-hmm. Um, but the concern, of course, is that in an elimination diet, somebody may do an elimination, add back in the food and not notice a physical difference, but is it still causing something physiologically like increasing inflammation or increasing permeability in the gut at a, at a subclinical level? Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of my general approach is very plant forward, you know, the classic Mediterranean diet or whatever is culturally appropriate for somebody and um, focusing on quality, organic as much as possible, non-GMO as much as possible, um, and high in those anti-inflammatory foods and uh, phytonutrients, antioxidants, and omega-3s. Love it. Lots of rainbow eating going on. Yes, yes, (laughs) lots of rainbow. Love Um, it. And you know, it is, it's so, somebody said to me the other day, you make the best salads. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, they're just, you know, but yeah, they have lots of different things in every color. And, you know, it's just, it's fun to introduce to people things that they might not think to be including in their diet. Um, And you mentioned- Enjoy a salad, actually. Yeah. Yes. Actually be very filling and tasty. And And nutrient dense and not iceberg lettuce with ranch dressing on it or something like that. Although Um, I do have to say, and maybe this is from growing up in the 70s, and having this for dinner almost every night, there is a part of me that still really finds iceberg lettuce. Despite oh, me too. That was like the only lettuce we ate. Yeah, it was the only yeah. lettuce we ate. And there's still yeah. something when I eat it, which maybe it brings back those memories yes. of sitting yeah. around the table. I'm with you. And I'm not saying you can never eat iceberg lettuce. Right. I'm just saying that's not the kind of salad I'm talking about. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people don't drink enough water and iceberg is loaded with water. So. Yeah. No, um, Very we're not, we're not hating on iceberg. It's just the, that right. variety. You have the, the iceberg commission coming after you. <laughs> <laughs> the deeper colors, you know, all the things. Um, right. I love that. And I, I, I like that you highlighted, um, I take a unique approach to reintroductions for the very reason you were just saying so often, either people aren't doing them methodically enough mm-hmm. um, or they're having a little bit of something and they can't feel anything and they don't right. notice. And, and so I, I kind of, not kind of, we kind we go heavy and hard and several days in a row. And that had originally started just from my own experience of <laughs> there are foods I can eat once and I have, I can't feel it. Right. If I eat the, if I eat the leftovers or I eat them two days in a row or, you know, um, I definitely feel it. And obviously doing what I do, I, I therefore know that means they're inflammatory the whole time. Um, and and so, but the other side I see is that people do an elimination diet and they feel great and they want to stay in that elimination phase. Yes. And, and, you know, they're just over restricted. Yeah. I see that as a big problem when, when people don't have the guidance, like you're describing on, doing the reintroduction. And, you know, that's 
what's now being commonly publicized as this orthorexia where people become scared of food. And I went through it. I totally went through it. I wasn't guided. I was, I, you know, I, my method of healing was kind of spaghetti at the wall. (laughs) Um, I don't know. And this is why I have a podcast because I learned a lot from listening to podcasts and I would try things. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I definitely, have a, a more variety in my diet now than I did even five years ago because that, you know, the rigid worked. Um, and I didn't know, I didn't, I never really did a proper, I, I just took stuff away. It wasn't really an elimination phase yeah. of a plan. It was, um, <clears throat> and so it, it can be a really real thing. I'm an autoimmune paleo coach and people think AIP, first of all, is a diet. It's not. (laughs) It's a healing plan. It's a framework. Mm -hmm. Um, And that elimination phase is supposed to be a phase. Right. That's not, you know, don't eat all of these things for the rest of your life. Um, And And the other, yeah, I mean, the other thing is when the body heals, things that you couldn't tolerate before, you may be able to, at least in moderation or in small amounts. And you know, and and I tell people that too, even when they are, if they're not celiac, but they feel better eating gluten, you know, I'll tell them like, yeah, you can occasionally have that Chicago pizza or go have that birthday cake at your pizza birthday. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, you, you know, you can, you can do that. Just know you may not feel that great the next day and um, you're, but at least you're empowered to make the decisions and and and, and, and have choice. an understanding of what your consequences are. So it is right. it is a choice, not a mistake or a slip or a yeah. A, you know, we do the same thing. It's like what's a you know what are the never foods? What are the sometimes? And maybe it's like this is a rare case. It's a sometimes food, um, but it's certainly not going to be the night before I'm giving a presentation or have a big meeting or you yeah. know like it we it's really good to know the consequences. Um, and I have, I, I will eat tomatoes like two, three times a year because <laughs> I love them. I grew up in New uh, Jersey. And they're so healthy. I mean, it's, they you know, are, they are and, all and negative. So, yeah. No, no. But I know, you know, I know for my body kind of, and again, it goes back to if I'm going to take a little bit of a hit, I know I'm driving inflammation and I am I try yeah. to be pretty careful about it. it's got to be worth it. <laughs> so do you do you feel like all of the nature nightshades should be avoided for all autoimmune patients? No, no. Oh, okay. Uh-uh. It's personal um, for you too. It yeah. is. It is. I, I think there are things, um, you know, sugar isn't something anybody needs to intentionally include. And we're all right. gonna we're all going to get some sugar here and there, but, but like you said, they're, you know, they're nutrient dense, the nightshades. Um, and so same thing for a long time, I avoided all of them and just thought, Oh, they're a problem for me. And I'm still, and, and it, this is years in and I'm still like, okay, I really want to try cooked, you know, I'm going to bake a tomato sauce. There was a time where I couldn't, I couldn't handle that. And I have healed so much and I do have celiac. And so mm-hmm. I know my gut was a mess. And I, you know, I know there's a reason why a lot of things were a problem. Um, but I always, the nutrient dense foods, I always want people to, to eat, the, include them if they can, for sure. 
And that's an example where the culinary medicine part can come into play because if you're doing it, so, you know, for example, peeling it, the peeling tomatoes and peppers, taking the seeds out helps decrease those alkaloids. Cooking helps, you know, decrease um, or break down some of the things like the the solanine in potatoes. And so all of those can help um, instead of just, you know, eating, which I love, like, eating raw, those little raw grape tomatoes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, making a sauce, especially if you peel and de-seed it, can help make it much more tolerable for people who are, have autoimmune disease. Absolutely. And that's where it is worth, you know, really being experimental. It's the same thing with, with dairy. You know, it's so easy. And I, I grew up, my family was in the dairy business. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and I, for a long time, thought I couldn't handle any dairy and I knew it was inflammatory for me. Um, and then, you know, as I learned more <laughs> and traveled the, the, the road a little longer, um, you know, I learned, Hey, some people can tolerate sheep and goat, and, you know, even if it's not yeah. cow and, um, I'm somebody who was, I could always do grass fed butter. Um, my daughter can't, Oh, so it's, it's really interesting. She's, I, I think that's, if you don't have an allergy, that's more rare. You know, yeah. most people can get away with some grass fed butter. Yeah. Um, but, you know, years in, I found out, oh my gosh, I goat cheese is totally fine for me. And mm-hmm. these days, you know, you can get goat cheddar and goat mozzarella. I mean, we joke, I make a mean lasagna that is, you know, no cow dairy, <laughs> no grains, no, no tomato. <laughs> no, everyone's like, how is it? You know, how, it tastes really tastes like lasagna. It's amazing. Um, so, but I have fun with it, right? It's not, it's not, I, I think that if we shift our brain out of this deprivation, like, okay, I just listed all those things I can't have in my lasagna, which are what most people think of as lasagna. Um, I, I can enjoy lasagna and it's delicious. Right. There's so many alternative ways to prepare things. And I think once people remove and get, you know, clear their system of it, they can actually start to taste and enjoy food so much better, so much more, especially once you get out things like processed foods and sugar, like you were saying, um, the taste buds regenerate and, you know, things things are like, oh my gosh, this is delicious. And you never would have liked it before. So um, I had a client once ask me, you know, literally she was totally serious. Were strawberries always this sweet? (laughs) Yes, they were. (laughs) You just couldn't taste it. Right. Yeah. It's It's, it is. It's incredible. So I know we both, you're right. We have a lot of shared, (laughs) um, you know, just outlook and and approach with, you know, you, with your patients and me, with my clients. And, and it, it does always, I love that you keep highlighting, like you meet them where they are, right? I have, I work with clients that are men in their sixties that don't cook, Mm -hmm. you know, all the way to people who love cooking. They just have no idea, you know, how and what to be cooking for themselves. Um, so where do, if you, you have somebody who's coming to you and they're living on processed food, they don't cook, you know, haven't cooked, where do you even start with them? Like, what's your first up level that you have them do? Well, <laughs> I, 
I'll give question. some recommendations, but I'll tell you that I really, um, for people like that, and I, I think coaches, people who can coach them and, and really support them, uh, it's such a huge benefit to helping people with behavior change. Um, there are a lot of people uh, who don't know how to cook or don't like to cook. And I, I you know, I, and, and the other thing we have to do is meet them where they are in terms of what's feasible. So, you know, if I have a mom who's working two jobs or I have um, somebody who doesn't have access to food or doesn't have financial means. So, you know, for example, it's easy for me to say, um, sure, go to Whole Foods and buy the pre-cut vegetables and Trader Joe's where they have it all prepared. Like that's a great way to start. But um, and and so, yes, that would be for the right person. That would be great for somebody else that may just put them be like, oh, this person isn't talking my language. And for them, it may be, you know, recognizing that, for example, um, frozen vegetables without added stuff in it are, right. is a great way to start increasing it. That doesn't require a lot of cooking. Um, or, cutting. To, or cutting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and they can be very affordable and they get frozen at their peak place and, you know, can hold on to their nutrients. So I think things like that, um, I think focusing on, if I, when I teach culinary medicine, we always start with knife skills and to be, if you're going to fill your plate with plants or make these delicious salads, you were talking about feeling comfortable with a knife and having a good knife, um, is actually probably one of the best things because I've had, I've had students where I'm teaching them and, when they come to a class and they use a sharp knife and they actually can slice through a vegetable easily instead of hacking at it because right. they're using this one that's been in their drawer banging against everything. Yeah. They're like, oh, cutting vegetables isn't so hard. Um, so I think, you know, teaching skills like basic knife skills, batch cooking, so it's not so overwhelming. I think that's a huge thing to cook larger portions and store the leftovers in the fridge or freezer. We'll talk about that. Um, simple recipes, trying to give them some guidelines for easy to follow, limited number of ingredients kinds of things. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, I think all of those are are the kinds of things. And then and then helping them just understand what they have in their kitchen already and what might make it a little bit easier for them, what tools might make it easier for them to be successful, what things they might want to just have in the pantry so that it's easy to throw something easy together with four ingredients, like, you know, one fresh ingredient and the rest is already, you already have kind of thing so that you're, you're not just starting from scratch, looking at it and being like, okay, I guess I'll order in again. I love that. And then that's, I think to start with, like you said, basic knife skills. Um, and this is true for people that haven't cooked or aren't from a cooking family, never worked in a restaurant, <clears throat> did, probably aren't using a good knife and probably not a sharp knife. And it's, it's, and they don't know how to do it. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and I would say, if you want to know if your knife is sharp, try to slice a tomato. <laughs> it's yeah. not necessarily, can it get through the hardest food? Like you want, you want something that can just, you know, cut yeah. like butter. <laughs> so. And the way that we've always, I've always done it with students too, is have them just take a piece of paper 
And if you cut through it and it just slices smoothly, you're good to go. But if you try to cut through and it's jagged, like that's a real, you know, you need to sharpen your knife. And, um, and there's so many good videos online for people who are new to cooking to get you comfortable. Um, so like really so many that walk you through free videos, even like New York times has a whole series of like knife skills. And, um, so I'll, I'll encourage people to do that too. And now, now, you know, I don't, we don't lead these at Northwestern, these shared medical visits, but there is this, there are, are a growing number of, um, medical appointments that you can bill to insurance and uh, that are getting covered by commercial insurance and Medicare, um, where the the group visit, for example, for celiac disease or inflammatory conditions, they come together and there's some educational components some discussion and then some hands-on cooking or at least a cooking demo. And so that's a great movement that we're seeing in medicine in general. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think there's so much value for the patients um, because, and think that's why there are, I always say, you know, my, my partner, the doc is, is the, you know, what to do and the coach is the, how to do it. Um, And it doesn't have to be a coach, but whoever it is helping, you know, educate and lead the classes without the how, and I'm sure you see it, well, you're giving the how as well, but I do to some degree, but yeah. you know, on the people set. just keep coming back in the same place stuck because, you know, it's like, oh, I know you told me to eat real food. I don't even know what real food is. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. So I, I love that. Um, I think that that is part of what will change wellness and, and healthcare. Yeah. Healthcare. And hopefully, <laughs> hopefully coaches will, you know, start becoming widely covered by insurance too. Yeah. So that, and we're getting there. There's codes now. It's, you right. know, it's it has to start somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The VA did a great job of, you know, pushing to get um a code that but that level three code and hopefully it'll become a level one code. Exactly. Soon. Exactly. Um, it, so. it will from your lips, right? Yes. <laughs> so I know you said there there's no um across the board, never, ever foods for people, um, uh, you know, that even for some uh, occasional gluten might not be the end of the world. <clears throat> um, are there things that you like just off the top of your head in general, of course, with the exception of if somebody has a sensitivity, Yeah. Um, but, you know, are there foods that you think of like, okay, if you have autoimmunity, you really should be including these things in your diet because they're just these power players. Well, you already mentioned the rainbow. That's really the big thing. And then okay. for me, the omega-3s um, in whatever form, whether it's from that, seeds or from okay. sardines or salmon or whatever whatever your uh, omega source of choice is. Um, and you know, healthy fats, you know, so it's not, not a low fat diet. And then, um, and then for people, I think also anti-inflammatory herbs and spices, because that helps both with flavor, but also the really concentrated sources of nutrients. So things like, you know, turmeric and ginger and cinnamon and garlic. Um, I think all of those and 
in general, you know, I know I said there's <laughs> can have things once in a while, but you know, if I were to give my like, these are inflammatory, don't eat these mm-hmm. unless you really, really, really have to. Um, that would be things like processed meats, like sausages and hot dogs and um deep fried foods, and of course, anything with trans fats and um and really limiting refined carbohydrates as much as possible, like the white bread and the donuts and those things that are cause um, issues with insulin, which is so directly correlated with increasing inflammation in the body. So I have the things that I tell my people not to eat, but um, yeah. But you're just gentler than I am. <laughs> I, I might be a little gentler. Maybe I'm In the beginning gentle. of a conversation, well, I'm going to sound a little nicer. <laughs> but it, it's it, you and I both, I mean, speak the same language as far as it's about empowerment. Like it's, it's not a, I tell people, and that's why I like the reintroductions. I, if I'm working with a client, there's no way that three years from now, they're going to hear my voice in their head saying, you know, don't eat gluten. It's inflammatory. No, they need to feel what does gluten do for them? Somebody said to me, oh my gosh, there's no way you haven't had gluten in 15 years, like at all. You don't cheat at all. And I'm like, well, you knew what happened to me when I like, it's not really magical. (laughs) I get that sick. It's not worth it. Yeah. You know, and so that to me is part of that empowerment is really getting to a place where you can figure out, you know, what foods are triggering you. Right. And and what foods make you feel amazing. Yes. And it takes a little time to get there, but um, it's easier when people have the quick, quick win and (laughs) start to feel better or start to see that puffiness go down and Mm -hmm. um, just feel more comfortable in their clothes and their joints feel better. You know, I've had people who have come in for um, inflammatory bowel type stuff and Mm -hmm. then they're, you know, they're on, we're working towards this anti-inflammatory diet um, of different sorts. You know, it could be more of like a FODMAP diet. It could be more um, of a more standard classic elimination diet, but then like, oh, I didn't know, like my skin got better and, oh, I didn't realize I was aching. I thought I was just getting older. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's amazing how these things affect you. But when they came in, they were just like, I want my gut to feel better. And then they, you know, take note of these other things. And that's where it becomes so much easier to stick with it. Um, That's all the reinforcement we need is to start to feel better. You know, I mean, it really is, it's it's amazing. Um, And, and again, that it's so motivating. I remember when I was changing diet and I had a friend who <laughs> said, oh, I'm really starting to worry about you. You don't eat food. Like, you know, you barely eat. <laughs> like I eat so much real food. And and this, this was a woman who was living, I'm not even kidding you on diet, Dr. Pepper oh my gosh. and Doritos, you know, <laughs> like, I'm like, I, all I eat is real food, <laughs> you know? Um, but it was like, I was like, do you remember when I could barely get out of bed? Yeah. Like, I, I don't understand. Now you're worried about me. You should have been worried about me back then. Um, yeah. So it's it just we just have to change our our thinking. And like you said, once we start to get those small wins, mm-hmm. we really the the gains. And sometimes it's slow. 
Sometimes it's really slow. I have a client right now who has RA and she has a, an autoimmune gut disorder and and everybody's different. Some people are like, no, I want to jump in and do the elimination. And she was like, that's so overwhelming. Let's work toward it. I said, let's literally just start paying attention to gluten. Let's yeah. just start there. Literally her, her guts. And I'm like, how has nobody ever told you to try going gluten-free for UC and RA and, you know, um, I but think that's, you bring up yeah, you bring up this great point with both of those stories to me, which is um, navigating social situations and navigating healthcare. Because um, I have had certainly patients with inflammatory bowel disease. This is insane to me, but who have been told by their you know noted you know well known gastroenterologist mm-hmm. diet makes no difference to yes. you. They still are saying that. Yeah. It, it's, I see patients with cancer who have been told that. It just yes. so so I think navigating that can be challenging. And navigating social situations um, when you're going out, you know, for dinner, when you're going to somebody's house and um, you know, making sure to try to choose restaurants that have autoimmune friendly options, communicating to friends if you're going to their house or bringing your own if you need to. And, you know, hope the right friend will understand and not yes. take it personally. Um, so I think that is a challenge for people when they're starting on this journey. Definitely in the beginning. Um, and and it is a fascinating thing. Other people really are interested in, you know, aren't you going to eat that? Why aren't you eating that? I don't know why other people care (laughs) are so invested in, in, you know, what we eat. Um, We're going away this weekend to, to visit family. And it was, you know, can Julie eat this? If I can Julie eat that, don't worry about Julie. Julie will worry about herself. It's, you know, but I'm years into this and it doesn't make me uncomfortable. And I appreciate, you know, people trying to accommodate me. Um, you know, and luckily at this point, I'm not surrounded by anybody who is offended if I can't eat what they're what they're serving. Um, but it it takes time. I, I think it's a huge. I don't know that I've ever worked with a client that that does doesn't come up in the beginning until they really, mm-hmm. you know, do feel empowered and and understand, you know, why they're avoiding certain things. Do you do you find it helpful to have? their significant other come in or, and then also I'm curious how you manage. Cause I, I think one of the biggest challenges is when it's somebody who has to change their diet, but they're also cooking for others, like yes. kids, and other yep. things. What, what's um, your approach to those? My approach. And it usually takes a little time. Um, I am not a proponent of double cooking. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be now adding, you know, something another you know if it's a, I, although i don't the kids don't really need a lot of the starch either but um you know slowly changing some of some of those things um i have and often and it's usually the woman who's cooking often you know she feels like she has to double cook or triple cook or, and doesn't have the energy to do any of it every single time eventually the whole family is eating the same way and they all love it. They all learn to love real food and the kids mm-hmm. are excited about packing healthy lunches. And, you know, and, and that to me is 
the biggest gift in what I do is not just helping somebody recoup their health, but oh my gosh, now their children aren't growing up on Twinkies. You know, yeah, what a gift because yeah, they don't have to relearn. They don't have to get sick and relearn, you know, decades later. And they've, you know, there is such a genetic component to there's environmental and genetic and other, you know, aspects. And, and so they, they're setting up their kids for success um, and maybe even uh, delaying or preventing the onset of an autoimmune condition. Yeah. And, And I think that that is such a, you know, it is yes, genetics, yes, environment and what people are often just attributing to genetics because my mom had and my aunt had and but you were all eating the same way (laughs) you were all using the same you know personal care products you were all so it's not it's never just genetics Mm -hmm. um and so and again I, I I say it like oh it's so simple you know don't double cook it's a process and again start where you're comfortable um but literally I have not had one family that hasn't all eventually ended up on board really willingly. Yeah. Well, it's a healthy diet, right? Yeah. So it's, yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and yeah, it tastes good. I think there's that transition period. So. There is, there is for sure. Um, I, I always think about when I, when I was a kid, um, I had a friend who was, she was the youngest of 10 and obviously very big family. Um, her parents, and it's, I don't know why it stuck with me. Like even then I knew there was something to it. And and now uh, I, I just think it's gold. Her parents were brilliant. Um, <laughs> they would, when they like would cook a vegetable or something that they wanted the kids to eat, the first time they made it, they would make a really small portion and they would say, this is just for us. Just for, just for the adults, you you can have a taste, yeah. But it's just for us, and literally that was how they got their kids to eat everything. That's really funny. Yeah, and so I, I psychology I, on your kids with vegetables. Well, but I I think the reason it stuck was I kind of realized like oh there is something to this thinking I'm not going to like it, <laughs> um, yeah. or you know if they want me to eat it it must be healthy and I don't want it kind of deal. Um, and, and so, yeah. And I, I don't remember ever seeing iceberg lettuce at her house actually. (laughs) Um, So it's, it's, you know, so I, I love them and I highlight again, the start where you are. Um, and, and I think I'm guessing you have a similar approach just because we seem very aligned in this. We tend to focus on avoid this and take that out and, you know, eliminate this. And and so, you know, if you're somebody who's starting and you're not on a real foods diet, just start adding in before exactly. you ever start taking away, you know, start playing yep. with some more vegetables. Yeah, that's always my first go-to is just the eat more plants kind of thing. Because yeah. once you fill up at least half a plate with colorful fruits and vegetables, non-starchy ones, you you have room for less. And so just automatically you're going to start making, cha- you know, healthy changes right. and start feeling better. And you can, even as an adult, eat your vegetables first. Yes. I went through that with my mom when I was helping her learn and adjust her eating. Um, she would say, well, I just, 
but I, I just can't eat that many vegetables. I'm full. And I'm like, well, you don't have to eat a ribeye first, <laughs> you know? Um, and so we joke around here. I love vegetables. I don't ever think like, oh, I have to get these in. Um, but even if you do feel that way, then start with them first. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, this is a little off topic, but I think what too many people are dealing with right now because of the diets that that they've been eating is a lack of awareness of hunger. And um, so it's almost the opposite problem is that they'll just keep going. And that usually is in processed foods and sugar and yeah, um, yeah. And that's where that adding in, you know, the healthy yeah. fats keep you full. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. But you're right. We have to almost, re, you know, learn satiety. And, you know, this is what it feels like to be full. And I'm good. Um, yeah. Somebody was asking me the other day, well, what do you snack on? And I'm, and I'm not anti-snack. I think if you need it, you know, when you're adjusting things or if you need a snack, mm-hmm. like have, I, I don't portion control. Um, I think of like, like ratios, like, you know, cover your plate in the veggies and and it takes care of itself. Um, but I don't really snack often because at, at this point, because I eat it, I have a lot of healthy fats in my diet. I'm not, I don't get hungry an hour after I eat. Like I just don't. Yeah. And protein keeps you satiated too. And and fats. um, And you know, that's, that is, you know, one of the things where there's this whole myth of like, well, if I only eat plants, then I won't get enough protein, which of course is totally not true. Um, Very easy to get plenty, even if you're a weight trainer. Um, So, you know, I would. But again, if you're eating real food and that's, I think another, you know, um, if you're eating processed Mm -hmm. vegan food, that's, not really food, <laughs> you're not probably going to get an, enough protein. Um, yeah. Or, or you're getting the protein, but it's with a bunch of other junk. So great stuff. Yeah. 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 I love it. So we've covered so many things and you've already given so many tips, but listeners know that at the end of every episode, I always ask for that. Oh no, I didn't get a warning for this. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Throwing you under the bus. It could be something you've already said, but really it just comes down to what's one thing listeners can do today to start to improve their health. Well, I know you've already hammered on the rainbow, so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go with what we talked about, which is um, make sure you're you know, get comfortable (laughs) for food, not for other things, get comfortable with a knife. Um, You know, remember, (laughs) I love the disclaimer. (laughs) Melinda, Uh, there's too much violence in the world. That's Uh, true. Yeah, I, you know, I, 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 there's a a phrase I've heard, you know, which is love the food that loves you back. And, um, and so I think that shift to that and, cut up your vegetables and for, have them pre-cut in the in the refrigerator so it's easy it's at eye level easy thing to go for um just for me it's all about making these changes easy because we get busy and we get hungry and then other priorities uh and that sugar buzz or um you know the the snack the easy snack is the easy choice so we have to make healthy easy I love it. We have to make healthy easy. I knew you couldn't give just one, by the way. (laughs) 
but it's okay because most people can. <laughs> um, but it is so true. I always tell people, you know, when I'm trying to get people to prep, uh, same thing. I have so many clients that are like, oh, I buy vegetables, you know, and then I throw them out. And they go back. Yeah. Yes. You know? um, but I, I say this, even me, like it's not, it's not that those of us that do this on day in and day out are really any different. We just already are, are prepping. I can either make a salad or eat a salad at lunchtime. I don't yeah. have enough time in my day to to do both. So it's got to be prepped yeah. ahead of time. Um, so I, I love here. that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I'm in the middle of patients and I have half an yeah. hour, which then becomes 15 <laughs> Right. I'm not going to go start cutting vegetables and everything no. to make a healthy meal. And no. so it's either grab a snack bar or have something ready to eat that's healthier. Amazing. And and we will have all the links, but for people that listen on the go, like I do, where's the best place to find you? Well, for, you can find all my links at, at drmelindaring.com. And then that'll link to my YouTube and my Instagram. I think for quick wins and hits, uh, you know, Instagram's the place to go. Um, but I'm okay. growing my YouTube channel. So, but if nice. you go to Dr. Melinda Ring, you'll get links to all of them. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me, Julie. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Melinda, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. I knew I was going to learn a lot. I, I just, um, I get really obviously geeked out and excited when we get to have conversations where people can hear in other voices a similar approach. Um, yes. And I, I love what you're doing. And I love this idea of culinary medicine. I think that is medicine, right? Yeah. Properties. Like it's, <laughs> this is not Absolutely. new. <laughs> medicine. Absolutely. All right. Well, I so see you thought we were going to be further apart, but we're I actually did. pretty close I did. together. We are really pretty close. I just okay. may be a little more of a stick in the mud than you are. I and mean, that's okay. I, I can deal with that. Well, I'm a little more anti-meat than you are. So, you yes, know, it's so true. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> so, right. but again, it, it's all about what serves each one of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I just am really grateful for everything you shared today. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been great to be here. For everyone listening, remember you can get the transcripts and show notes by visiting inspiredliving.show. I hope you had a great time and enjoyed this episode as much as I did. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to get a transcript of this and every other episode, just head on over to inspiredliving.show or click on the link in this episode's description. There, you can also find everything we discussed in this episode, including links and information about our guest. You can even send in your questions to be answered by Julie in a future episode. That's inspiredliving.show. Until next time, this is Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast helping you take your power back.